0: I Take your Bible. We're going to continue in the doctor's gospel this, uh, this morning. And today is a momentous day because we're coming to the end of a major division. It's the end of the great, it's called the Great Galilean Ministry. And for those of you that have been paying attention to one another and want to know the time sequence, you know, anyone know what time it is? You remember that song from the 60s? <laughs> yeah. The time here is now we're just about one year until Jesus goes to the cross. But in verse 9, verse 50 of this uh, doctor's gospel, Dr. Luke, uh, it's a major pivot now. We're going to leave the great Galilean ministry. He's going to now set his face going toward Jerusalem. 9.51, Dr. Luke indicates that. And so I've circled that in my Bible. That's a good thing for you to do because it's a major mile marker of a change beginning really, the last year of our Lord's public ministry. And He's going to, you're going to see that, really zero in now on the 12, and the training of the 12, and, and how important that is. So take your Bible. Let's, uh, let's look at Luke uh, chapter uh, 9, and we're going to read our text this morning, verse 37 through verse 50, as uh, uh, we, we discover the Lord, and he's going to heal. This will be his 13th and final healing, uh, or miracle, if you will, there in the, uh, the Galilean ministry. So verse 37, uh, on the next day, that's the next day after the Mount of Transfiguration, that is, when they had come down from the mountain, a great crowd met him, that's Jesus, and beheld a man from the crowd cried out, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son, for he is my only child. And Behold, the Spirit seizes him, and he suddenly cries out. It convulses him so that he foams at the mouth and shatters him and will hardly leave him. I begged your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. Jesus answered, O faithless and twisted generation. Let me just stop. Those are almost the words of Moses after... uh, They crossed the Red Sea and saw the greatness of God deliver them. And now uh, our Lord uses these similar words in rebuking uh, those present after seeing the glory that they had just seen on the mountain. Oh, faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you and bear with you? Bring your son here. While he was coming, the demon threw him down and threw him to the ground and convulsed him. But Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the boy and gave him back to his father. And all were astonished at the majesty of God. But while they were all marveling at everything he was doing, Jesus said to the disciples, Let these words sink into your ears. The Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men. But they didn't understand the saying, and it was concealed from them, so that they might not perceive it. And they were afraid to ask him about the saying. An argument arose among them as to which of them was the greatest. But Jesus, knowing the reasoning of their hearts, took a child and put him by his side, and he said to them, Whoever receives this child in my name receives me. And whoever receives Me receives him who sent me, for he who is least among all is the one who is great. And John answered, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him, because he does not follow with us. But Jesus said to him, Do not stop him, for the one who is not against you is for you. Well, I've entitled my sermon today, Common Mistakes. You know, we all know the expression, to err or to err is human, right? Uh, A lot of times if you talk to people about the gospel of Jesus, and you have to talk the bad news first, right? You never get to the gospel, and they never know how great the gospel is unless they know how bad their condition presently is. That's the place of the law, you know? The the law came in that uh, might clearly make it in color, we are sinners lost. We are lawbreakers. It doesn't end then. It condemns us. It can never save us. The law is limited. Galatians teaches that so well, does it, does it not? It's our tutor. It brings us to Christ because we're standing there condemned because of our own conscience because we know that we're lawbreakers. And then it brings us to Christ, right? The answer, the good news, Christ paid it all. All to him I know. He died as the Lamb of God, the sin substitute, the second Adam, the seed of the woman, to make the payment that you and I could never make. Our sin nailed to his cross in all, total, past, present, and future, and his righteousness imputed to us. That's what Paul means in Romans when he says the gospel is the righteousness that comes by faith. It's not by works. It's not that. And so when you talk to people, they say, well, listen, you know, to err is human, right? To err. Hey, it's normal. To and we go like, uh, that's right. We are sinners. We were born in sin. And we sin. But when it's said that way as a retort to you, if you're, you're trying to move towards a gospel talk with folks, they'll use a defense, meaning we're all down here and that's the way we are. And I guess you're okay, I'm okay, because we're all on the same plane. We're all sinners. And to err is human. I've heard that countless times, and I'm sure you have as well. It's certainly true, on your sheet I have, that uh, we live in a, uh, a as we live uh, uh, in this world, we're we're fallen men and women. We certainly err because we have limited knowledge, right, Uh, and you're going to lose what you have. I could be smart if I could ever remember everything I ever learned. It's but it's name, rank, and maybe on a good day, social security number, right? <laughs> so we have limited knowledge. We're born in sin. We sin. And even though we're being saved and being made like Christ in our sanctification, far too often we err. We err. We make mistakes. We sin. True. That is true. Well, as Jesus was closing out, as I said, this great Galilean ministry, Going to end it at uh, chapter 9, verse 50 here now. The disciples now know the identity of Christ. Who do men say that I am? Remember that? And then the great confession of Peter, thou, you art, thou art the Christ. And uh, immediately began to talk about his mission. Now, you got that right, Peter. Um, And uh, the mission, which uh, uh, they are completely in the fog at, even at this point, as to what he's talking about. And so they know who he is. But they're in the dark as to the mission, even though he repeatedly unfolds it to them. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. As they stumble about at this time, we see them, and Luke records for us them making a number of mistakes. Not a comedy of errors. Sometimes we hear that. Oh, it's a comedy of error. No, they're stumbling from one blunder to another to another. And uh, so we say, well, wow, what's the matter? Are they dumb bunnies? What's the matter with now listen, i got news for you. This, these are common things. And, and, uh, and we're going to look at four little episodes or pericoats, whatever you want to call them, and uh, we're going to see how common these are even today in the life of men and women, boys and girls that love Christ. Uh, their errors are reflective of you and me. And we're guilty of these. And whether they're mistakes or errors and uh, when it crosses the transgression of God's moral, then it's sin. It, it, it's truly sin. So there, there are mistakes that, that are not sin, right? Sometimes we'll misstay a, a name or something, so, well, and, we'll, and we'll say, well, I, I lied. Well, that's, that's not a lie. lie the, the intent there is to deceive, that's a lie. But if you just make a mistake, oh, no, no, I didn't mean that, and truly didn't mean that, uh, intentionally, then that's a mistake. But there is a line there where it becomes sin. You know what I mean? And we do all that, don't we? We're guilty of all that. The wages of sin is death, and all have sinned. And so we're going to look at these four little couplets or episodes, I call them, that reveal really some common mistakes uh, made by us as followers of the Lamb with the hopes that we're more aware of them and by God's grace we avoid these Things that seem to be so prevalent and uh, obviously are in the closing days of this Galilean ministry in the life of the disciples. Well, the first episode is, uh, finds itself verses 37 through 43. It involves the 13th and final miracle that the Lord performs there in Galilee. And the problem here, as you see is we can lack faith. We too. I mean, you know, we're, we're people of faith. You know, do you have the faith? We're earnestly contending for the faith. But you know that we can lack faith. Now, I'm glad I married faith. That helps me out some you ways. Know. Without faith, it's impossible for Terry to please God. That has a certain meaning to me that doesn't apply to you. But uh, there, is a, there is a faith that, we're, that uh, the disciples lacked at this point. Now, we too, as believers in the Lord Jesus and living out, growing in grace, we can be deficient as well as the disciples were at this point. Uh, Here, by not trusting God to do what only He could do. Now, uh, no sooner uh, had Jesus and the three disciples come down from the mountaintop than the demands and the disappointments of life hit them right in the face. Uh, I mean, it hit them. Listen, life is not a mountaintop, is it? We wish it were. We like that. Some of you go camping or on vacation, go, like, we could do that forever. You go crazy doing that forever. You know, you know, like I go away a little bit and Faith worries about me. I tell, I gotta do something, you know. I can't I'm not real good at just sitting I like to read and we'll read a lot, but Faith she's a reading, she read like five on her anniversary, trip, I think she had five Huge books. I lost her for big periods of time. Where are you there? She's uh, really, like I like, and I and I wasn't reading theology. I was reading different things to try and broaden now because I live in that world all day long. So I'm trying to read a few other things. Like uh, I read all the time. While we, I'm not going to do that anymore. And like and so like I got to do something, right? I was glad when we went down to Sarah's. There was something to do. A mailbox was. Did I tell you that? was laying in the front yard, so like, hey, there's something I can do. You know, like, so I called her and said, I'm going to fix your mailbox. You know, like, So I, I, th- I think I told her, that'll be there during the tribulation. I concreted that thing, and I put it for me. They drove up, and they were like saluting. This was like, wow, this is the best. In the I'm not real good at not doing things. And, and life is not the mountaintop. It isn't, it isn't. Um, we're grateful for those times. We're grateful for the times uh, of the, uh, we call them really glory times, where the Lord, we sense all oh, his presence. But uh, in shorter, it's it, it's not there. And we look back, and we go like, and we just keep going on, right? We keep going on toward the celestial city. Now, we're thankful life's not in the valley all the time. Aren't you glad of that? Now, did you hear their prayer request today? There are a lot of heartbreaking things. I hope, that, I hope that registered to you. You know, there's a lot of valley and uh, sorrow. We laugh with those that laugh. We rejoice with those, but we weep with those that weep. And it's not, it's not always in the valley. And when we're in the valley, we, we clear, oh, I just want normalcy again. When will normal life come back? And I'm not, and, and, and that's where most of life is, it's, isn't it? It's between the peak and the valley. We sort of live there most days. Here the Lord comes down from the mountain with the three. What a, what a glorious occasion that was. Uh, it, it was uh, great. But as soon as they got down, hit him right in the face. Crowd of people, trouble, father brokenhearted, son demonized, and uh, disciples uh, fumbling, uh, bumbling. Uh, let me let me just stop. Raphael, do you know Raphael the great painter in fifteen sixteen he painted that very this very scene that we 're talking about here i I printed that out I thought uh, you can 't see it, but uh, I did see this faith and I actually saw this at the uh, Vatican City, the original uh it 's called the Transfiguration where where it it shows the Lord coming down in in all his glory, and Moses coming down, and he got this commotion crowd down, and and the boy who's uh, not delivered, and and Raphael, uh, this was his last painting, actually, um, trying to depict the fact that the Lord came not to remain up on the mountaintop, but came down to meet the needs of us. And uh, that's what he's trying to convey in that great, his great picture, the painting of the transfiguration. Maybe someday you'll get a chance to see that. And uh, here it is. So wait, there's a great crowd uh, ready to meet the Lord, a father who's heartbroken, a father who who does have faith when they say we can lack faith. He's about the only one in the picture that has faith, Where he brings his boy, his only son, uh, to the Lord, to, to the disciples uh, for deliverance of this uh, demon who had uh, so stolen his boy away from him, I mean the evil spirit was trying to, to uh, destroy this boy now it sounds a lot like epile- epileptic seizures doesn 't it he 's foaming and he 's throwing him on the ground and and that terrible thing uh, to see that in the, this intensive day of demonic activity at the time of the Lord Jesus. Uh, But I will say this, the text is clear, whatever it was happening to him physically, uh, he was under the influence of supernatural evil attack and uh, evidenced it physically uh, by uh, these convulsions that uh, we read about in the text. And the disciples, they're helplessly baffled. The Lord had given them in 9-1, he'd given them the authority to cast out demons. Now they remember when he sent them out. And uh, but they uh they came down, the three came down, joined the others, and that's the inference of the text. Peter, James, and John are there as well. And uh, they were stymied, helpless to uh to deliver uh, the, uh, this boy given back to his uh, father now just an aside B, here's an example of the way Satan tries to destroy us you know he, destroy, he tries to do that he is you know, often think of the drug culture and uh, other issues in, in our culture So for the Satan, if you could chase that all the way to the end do you think that's heaven? I don't think so Satan trying to destroy people destroy their souls destroy their bodies the pharmaceutical, the, the illicit drugs, ruin people, he will. He is a lion who walks about uh, desiring to destroy. Uh, remember Peter's words in First Peter 5. Walks about like a roaring, seeking whom he may devour. Now, you need not fear him ever. If you're in Christ, you, 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 you need not fear him. Don't give him an advantage, though. Be careful about that. The influence of evil. And the demonic forces are real in this world that brainwashes the people. Oh, all you see is all there, that is. That's not true. Remember last time we saw in the glimpse from the Mount of Transfiguration C.S. Lewis's world the, the words, the longer I live, the more I realize that the spiritual realm is the reality. And the physical really seems to be the illusion. It's really there. And look at how Satan robs and and, and takes this son even from his father uh, at least uh, in a familiar family sense because of this great uh, trouble that his son is having well the disciples failed not for lack of effort Uh, i I would not believe that but due to their lack of faith their lack of faith there's a time when the people of faith lack faith and they did they they, they did not trust God. They failed uh, to trust him in this uh, difficult manner. They failed to, uh, uh, to have the trust and the dependency of God to deliver the boy. Uh, perhaps they failed to pray, and I think that really was what was going on here, only because the parallel accounts, particularly, uh, you can check it later in Mark uh, 9.29, uh, Mark uh, tells us, and this is Peter's gospel, Mark, you know, uh, why is it that we had struggled? And, and Jesus said to them, this is the kind of thing that only can be delivered through praying, uh, through prayer. And so it, it would indicate to us, uh, because the Lord is going to rebuke them for their faithlessness, they, they didn't pray. They didn't uh, come before God and say, Lord, we're merely your servants, we're not much. Uh, we can't do this without you, we need your help. Please show your strong arm and deliver this boy and, and, and from this uh, demonic influence and give him back to his father. Seems to be exactly what's going on here. Uh, uh, and, and so we, we know it's their lack of faith. We know it uh, uh, because the Lord uh, rebukes them. Look at the, the words. He says, uh, the, oh, faithless, there it is, oh, lack of faith and twisted generation uh, uh, that uh, he, he says, now, Jesus' rebuke, you should know, is given broadly. He's speaking, in a sense, he doesn't say just to the disciples. Uh, it, the text doesn't limit it that way. Uh, but uh, he speaks very broadly. Uh, but uh, remember, it was the disciples who were given the authority uh, and the power to do this in one of Luke. And they had tried through great effort, but couldn't. And so uh, it's very reasonable, and I think it's right. He's addressing them, though broadly, he's speaking to his, his 12. And, and that includes the three that were on the mountaintop, um, and they were not able to because they did not trust in God and probably commit that to praying uh, to deliver this boy. And I think that's exactly what's going on. The disciples lack sufficient trust in God and dependence on God to deal with the Spirit. Dr. Ryken writes that, and I agree with his observation with that. And so what does Jesus do in verse 42? He, uh, he rebukes the evil spirit. There's the power of the Lord Jesus again. We've seen that over and over. And Luke, remember his thesis, is the gospel is certainly, O Theophilus, that you might know that Jesus is the Son of God, the Savior. And he is uh, presented in this time, miracles, where the Lord has delivered, what? Uh, demons uh, and uh, disease, and even those who have died, and uh, even over uh, creation, nature. You know, he rebukes the storm. The, uh, the Almighty God, uh, incarnate in the Lord Jesus Christ, and uh, and uh, and that's uh, what He wants us to see here. Amazing, and here the Lord delivers uh, the evil spirit. Was it hard for Him? Absolutely not. He gives a word, command, and there it's gone. And what's He do? He heals the boy. And what's He do? He gives him back to his father. And you know, there's there's a sense there where. Uh, you know, our sin divides us, doesn't it? It divides homes and families and sometimes ruination, heartache and brokenness. And, uh, and and Satan is the author of confusion and behind that and rebellion and is so pleased to do that. And here's part of the mark of the hand of Jesus in the life of a of a father and a son and a family and restoring and reconciling, broken and estranged. And separated relationships—it's beautiful, really. It's beautiful, and we live in a world. Listen, we live in a world. It doesn't only—we have our own issues as we're still in flesh and growing in grace, and not all in our greater family know Jesus. And the issues, and the distance, and the brokenness, and the tears. And then we live in a world where it's even worse. And think about that now. You and I bear forth the gospel. It's a treasure. God wants to use us as missionaries. And who can say, I being in the way the Lord used me, loving and living for Christ and loving and caring for people, small ways and big ways, can restore homes that they might come to know Christ and families be put back together together In ways that man can never do that. It's like Humpty Dumpty, you know, that's the world. The world is, oh, we need more education. We don't need more education. I mean, get all you can and all that. I'm not against that. I I spent 10 years after high school in school, and they said, you know, you don't get it right, keep doing it, you know, (laughs) figure it out. But that's not the issue. People need the Lord, people need the Lord. And you and I bear that, and, and to see the result, I've seen that in family, I've seen it in marriages, strange marriages. I've seen crazies, you know, like that's a house of crazies, you know. I've seen the gospel heal marriages, and begin to restore homes. It's the power of the gospel. It's wonderful. We see it in lives. How about uh, the Book of Philemon? We hardly ever get there. Look at the gospel restoring. <laughs> Uh, Onesimus and Philemon and through what? Amazing. Amazing. Onesimus thought he'd get lost in the middle of Rome. There's a big crowd. I'll go get lost. God found him there. Restored that relationship and returned him not as a worker but as a brother. God restores and we see the restoration. A whole sermon we could uh, deliver here and the restoration and mending of that. It's glorious and it's great. Really, Really it is. I love to see that camp out there. So Jesus uh, heal, uh, the rebukes the evil spirit, he heals the boy, and gives him back. Wow! Well, we say we believe in God. What's the what's the takeaway in that? We can lack faith. What's the takeaway? What's it? we can we say we believe in God? We trust in Him. He saved us, right? We can do that, uh, uh, but uh, do we trust God to do what only He can do? A lot of times we run forth. Uh, uh, attempting to do things in our own strength, don't we do that? We're so quick to do that, um, and without the oh, we didn't pray. You know, like I can, I can handle this, right? And the disciples thought, well, we we can handle this. We've done this before. We did it on the mission and nine one and following, and and uh, we can do this. You can't do that. Have you come to the point realizing? It doesn't matter what you do, whether it's your job or your life or your work, your marriage, your witness, teaching a Sunday school class, discipling. You know, we're totally and utterly dependent on him. And uh, we need to invite his help. Lord, help me. I can't do this. I can't tell you the number of hours I spend in prayer and humanly in a period of a week before I even uh, would attempt to stand up here. And frankly, I'd rather sit there and let someone else, and I'll take notes. And, but the Lord tapped me on the shoulder years ago and said, hey, Sabolski, you're up. <laughs> uh, really? I go like, oh, Lord, are you sure? You know, I think you made a mistake here. And, uh, but, you know, and so he's convinced me, yeah, yeah you can do it through me only. I, Lord, I, I know that. And uh, totally. And uh, so... Uh, but it's not just me, is it? So I pray, Lord, help me. You know, like if nothing's accomplished, we might as well stay home. What's the point? You know? So I pray that God opens your heart. You come with hearts that are open, ready to receive the word. Lord, help me so I'm not bumbling, stumbling, tripping over my words. And uh, to teach the word of God. Whose worthy are you to do? I'm not. I'm a sinner saved by grace, growing in grace. I simply want to be used by the Lord. And he says, you're up front? Oh, boy, okay. You know, in my early years, I felt like throwing up for years. It's kind of, I mean, it's it really, it's an awesome thing to to stand up and to open the Word of God. Who is sufficient for that? Not me. And so I pray, Lord, help me. Carry me. You get all the glory. I could care if people know my name. They can't say it anyway, you know? <laughs> I spent all my life, I used to say to my father, yeah, why do we have the name Sabolski? I never, never, it's not like Smith or something. He said, hey, it's a good name, you make it better. That's what he told me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but uh really, I, it's it's only the Lord. And it's true in your marriage, it's true in raising children, it's true in your work, it's true in your witness, it's true in everything you do. We, the people of faith, can go forth and I can handle it. You can handle it. You've got to come to the point and realize how little and puny and small and frail and helpless you really are. Really. The disciples, you know, they, they were feeling pretty good about themselves, and they failed. And uh, if we go forth without inviting, Lord, help us in our prayer. The power of God to be unleashed. Don't be surprised if it's failure. Happened to them. And so Luke wants us to see that. But let's quickly move on. There's a second episode revealing some common mistakes that we make. Uh, we can, uh, number two, lack focus by taking our eyes off the cross. That's amazing. Coming right off this this uh, incredible uh, deliverance of this boy, and the crowd is in verse 43. They're like, wow, yeah, this is incredible. Luke goes on and then in the end of 43 to make a general statement about the Lord's ministry uh, in Galilee. And uh, let me just read that to you the uh, midway through verse 43. It says, but while they were all marveling at everything, you see it wasn't just that episode of delivering the boy, Every, they were thinking about all that the Lord had done in his ministry, you know, the crowd, you know. Um, uh, he, uh, he said to his, his 12 now, and he's going to buffer. He's going to prep it by saying, let these words sink into your ears. You know, like my mother used to say, no, I want you to hear this. You hear this? You know, like, yeah, I got it, just say it. You don't have to preface it like that. <laughs> like, or my, if my father said it, it was, oh. Don't miss this, man. You're in deep doo-doo. You say doo-doo. I don't know. Can I say that? If you miss this. It's, it's what he's saying here. Let, your, let uh, these words sink into your ears. Okay, here it is. The Son of Man, that's the Lord, uh, Jesus, is about to be delivered. He's going to be betrayed into the hands of men. So the Lord turns now at this moment, and uh, he points them to, for the second time only in Luke here, of his coming death. Now, I mean, the crowd is like, this, (laughs) hey, wow! What a pep rally, this isn't great, you know. And the Lord, like, turns the channel instantly and does a, the contrast couldn't be any greater. Do you you catch that? And he, he points them deliberately, the 12, to the cross. And, They had taken their eyes off of it. And so therefore I say, we can can do the same thing. We can lack focus. How do we do that? Take our eyes off the cross. He deliberately turns them. Remember, um, while they were marveling, um, uh, that's not why I'm here. I'm not here simply to put on a show or a circus. I'm not the healing man come to town. I'm not the miracle worker in, in and of itself. And the Lord uh, was fully aware of uh, his future, and he faced it directly. You know, and sometimes in my prayer, you'll forgive me, and the Lord will, too, but I go like, Lord, thank you for tackling the cross. Like a a great middle linebacker. You know, a linebacker senses the pressure. I I played at the linebacker for a number of years. Senses the pressure, watches, and he goes into the pressure. Because he knows that's where the ball is. You know, they'll let you run to the sideline all you want, you know, they won't even bother you. But he senses that. And I said, Lord, like a great middle linebacker, you set your face and you went right into the pressure and you tackled and defeated and destroyed Satan, death, and sin. I love that analogy, because that's exactly what he did. And that's the reason that's he was here. Wasn't to give free lunches. Hey, that's great, we get, we get free lunch. Isn't that great? And if I get a boo-boo, he'll heal that. Isn't that great? Let's make him king. No, you missed the point. You missed the whole reason. You missed the mission. You see? And so he turns them. The crowd's going like this. He goes, uh, you lost focus. This is the mission. Don't be confused by that. And we can easily take our eyes off the cross. Can't we? We sing that. The cross before me and the world behind me. And there's a reason why that great old song has been such a blessing to God's people. Because we've got to consciously keep that before us in all that it means. Deny ourselves. Take up our cross daily. Follow him. That's the reason he came. He came as the Lamb of God. Don't ever be Confused by that. The contrast, I said on your sheet, couldn't be more dramatic. The fickleness of people. Have you noticed how fickle people are? They love you one minute, they'll kill you the next. Those poor professional athletes, they're talking about football. You know, yay! You know, like, aren't they great? Start throwing some interceptions. Yeah. Uh, They say the Philadelphia Eagle fan, they're about the worst. Holy cow! I mean, you could be the hero one week, and they're ready to throw their beer at you and beat you up and cuss you out. I mean, it's unbelievable. Do you think that's only down in Philadelphia? That's people—the fickleness of people. Have you learned that? They love a winter boy, but you slip once. Oh, I, I knew it. He's no good. You know, like, that's why I thought. That's why I thought. And uh, my in my great team, the Buffalo Bills. Uh, didn't uh, move on Vic. I thought, like, what's the matter with him? He's a great quarterback. Yeah, you had a problem, paid a price. Huge price. That guy's a winner, but everyone's like, oh, mm. You know, and you guys love dogs and all that stuff, and I, I know that you feel that. I do, I really do. My mother softened my heart on that because she lived for years, and she, you know, she had her dog, and her dog was her companion. She loved it, and, and I like, you know, I repented. I did. I really did. I'm an ex paper boy, and I got chased by so many dogs and bit, and I just had the wrong attitude. I did. I could Fashion's good. I did. But what am I talking about? Oh, Vic! He could have been a great quarterback for the Bills. They're still fumbling around. They don't know what they're doing up there with the quarterback. And look, he's a great hero. Look, he's thrown. You know? But that's the crowd. We're with you. We're with you. You did what? <laughs> Look at Jesus. He's don't and don't you. Don't you be surprised by the crowd. Don't play to the crowd. Live as an audience of one. Live to please the Lord only. And let the chips fall where they fall. Uh, We need to give ourselves to that, really. Remember the Palm Sunday? Just remind you that. (claps) He's the king. Whoa. A few days later, crucify him. Same crowd. Same crowd unbelief. Don't be surprised by that. Second time, the Lord is saying, look, I'm, I came to die. I'm going to be betrayed. The teaching of the gospel uh, is the main message. Not the miracles, all that, but it's the suffering and dying for our sins. It's the main event. The main event. The main event. Wow. Well, the idea that someone as powerful as Jesus would die in weakness at this point, it was completely unthinkable to the disciples. They were like, they couldn't put it together. Do you like putting puzzles together? You know, and you go like, uh, they couldn't put the pieces together of this. I mean, they see him conquering all these things and all that. Now he's talking betrayal again, death. They're like, it's no wonder the text, they didn't even ask him a question. They were staggered. So they were afraid. They were staggered by this. They couldn't put the pieces together. And, and that's why they, they finally did. Let me jump ahead. They finally did. By God's grace, the last year of training, the resurrection put it together, and we see it in the book of Acts. So, this, Did they ever get it? It was kind of remedial class? Yes, they got it. Read the book of Acts. They were, they were solid as a rock at that point. It finally came together by the grace of God in their life. Well, we too must keep, our, uh, keep the cross at the center of our daily life and worship. The cross before us. Too often we take our eyes off it. Too often we're, you know, in vanity fair. and We're lured by the lights and everything else. At life And we think, well, I deserve that. I ought to have this and that. And we're, we're far afield. It happens, you know. It happens. Come back. Maybe that's you now. Come back. Keep the cross right there. Nothing else. There really is nothing else. Nothing in your daily worship of the Lord. Don't take your eyes off the cross. We, need, we too, need to be willing to suffer for him and give our lives uh, to him for service, taking up our cross daily. Wow. Well, the third episode. First, we can lack faith. Second, uh, I say that with lack of faith because the way the Lord talks, they should have been able to deliver this boy. I didn't make that point. The twelve, the second, uh, they lack focus. Remember, I'm here. I'm going to be betrayed. Death is coming, I'm like a middle linebacker. He's going right for it. Number th- the third episode revealing some common mistake. We can lack humility by seeking glory for ourselves. This is utter crassness to me. It's crass. You ever use that word, crass? Crass is a is, a word, is this word you don't hear much, but it really describes it. The Lord's just talking about his death. And it's like, uh, you know, uh, immediate change of subject. It's like it went right over their head. Uh, and it's like, uh, the Lord's am uh, I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going across, and we just get a little snippet here of what the conversation was, and it's like, can you see the hand up? Uh, y- yes, uh, uh, Lord, who's the greatest? It's like, take him outside and smack him around. What is the matter with him? You know, <laughs> utter crassness. I mean, <laughs> utter crassness. It didn't even fit the context. You know, is that a mistake? It's certainly an error. It probably crossed into gross sin. Pay attention here, man. Am I? Am I? Am I the greatest? Can I sit next to you in glory? Okay, there we go. Remedial. Back to first grade. Shoots and ladder. You're down to shoot. <laughs> Thought you were further along. Well, yeah, well here it is, uh, it, and uh, it reveals that we can lack uh, humility by seeking glory for ourselves. The episode in, uh, look at 46, uh, an argument arose among them as to which of them was the greatest. That's a comparative word. But Jesus, knowing the reasoning of their hearts, and he knows ours, he took a child and put him by his side, and he said to them, whoever receives this child in my name receives me. And Whoever receives me receives the Father, for he who is least among you all, is the one who's great. Great, not greatest. Notice there's a difference there. Mega, great, not greatest. It's not a comparative word. Well, this episode unfolds the most pointless debate in human history. What a stupid debate that was. You ever watch, uh, get ready, we're starting to move into political debate season, right? Oh no, we're groaning. They'll talk about, there already was one with one party. They were debating like, oh, no. And then, well, here we go again. They're going to have 12 or 14. Oh. <laughs> debate." How about kids debating, you know? Kids are fun to listen to when they debate. Uh, I had, and, and it was wrong. I repented this too. This is confession for me today. I used to tell my boys, <laughs> I'm stronger. Uh, Dad, Dad, are you stronger than, they always ask, are you stronger than Mr., uh, Mr. Hill, I'm sorry, Stephen. Mr. Hill, oh, oh, yeah, no problem there. You know, like, Dad, how strong you up? Do you see that house over there? Now my boys are about like to, if I want, I grab that, lift that right up, lift the whole house. And then I'd hear my boys talking later. My father can lift a house. He he can beat your father up. You know, like, like kids so totally like, what? The, where did this go? You know, I was just trying to braggadocious one day with my boys, you know, and <laughs> like, they still bring that up to me. Dad, remember when you said that? Like, and we told everybody you could. That? You can't do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can't even whip them anymore. I can't. They're kind. David pats me on the head now. He just is. That's okay, Dad. You know, <laughs> he just, he does. Uh, this was the stupidest argument among, I mean, coming off the heels of, I'm going to die. Uh, am I great? I mean, completely, completely out of bounds. Foolish. Why? Because none of the disciples were great in the first place, were they? None of them. Look at them. They're amazing. Wow. Pettiness. Jealousy. Maybe it was, one writer suggests, because the three went up to the mountain with them. They were privileged to be with them. And they come down and we, hey, guess where we were? Guess what we saw, you know, kind of like this? And then the debate among the others were like, "Mm, that's not the way we saw it. The Lord felt like, I can't even let them out of my sight. (laughs) They got to go with me. You're not too great. So I don't know what the... (laughs) You know, (laughs) some of your mamas with your kids, you're going with me. (laughs) So we don't know what the context was, but they were strutting their stuff, and the Lord goes like, oh, no. (laughs) And so how does the Lord deal with it? takes a child and places a child next to him. Incidentally, that's the position of honor. They want, who's going to sit next? Here's a child. And it's the text that's right next to him. You know, the Jews in that day, until a, a son was even bar mitzvah, uh, you don't even, it was a waste of time to talk to a child. You can do a study, some of you study on the Lord's uh, relationship with children. It's a marvelous study in the New Testament. It'll, it'll warm your heart, change the way you think about kids. And with a child, you have, to, uh, you have to humble yourself, don't you? And if you're really going to talk to you've got to get down on their level, you know? You look at them eye to eye. And, uh, and then spend time talking with them. They're really uh, not that important. Are children important? No. As the world counts importance. Uh, they're a great potential, and they're glorious. And uh, I'll tell you, a church, a great church has, a, has a, a love for children and has a heart for children. And it's a dying church that doesn't because a child represents that the Lord carries a life of dedicated service for him. And that's the kind of church I want to have, incidentally, a love for kids. I love kids. uh, And and, and so the Lord is saying, what is he saying here? Uh, He's saying that we're to receive a child. They're to receive. His point is it takes humility. It takes humility to make friends with a child. Seek the lowest spot. That's what he's saying here. Humility. It's the upside down chart. You know the pie chart? Well, who's in charge here? And they show a pyramid, you know. It starts, uh, here, here are the little people. They're down in the mail room. <laughs> and then the next, and the next, and then the pyramid goes up. And, and there's the big maha at the top. The pyramid, right? The structure of an organization or business. or And, he's, and the Lord, you know, he, he turned it upside down. He actually said that uh, those that are great are the greatest servants of all. And so, you want to know and measure who's great, Who he who serves. Think of John 13, and the Lord stooping to wash the feet of the disciples. He was the greatest. And look at that act of gross humility. As he set an example for us in serving one another command, and told us to go and do likewise. You see, we're, he's saying, listen, you want to be great. You want to know who's great? You want to know that? Those that care for those who are unimportant. You know why? The idea is, is that you, know, you never have to worry about the uh, VIPs because they're cared for. People do. It's the, those that are the faceless, the nameless, the common, the down and out, the little, the simple, the disabled. Care for them. I see that. I know that. And uh, that's Greatness. That's what truly great is humility to do that. They say sometimes in an office that it's very common for um, executives to walk down the hallway and it's called the, uh, the lack of an eye look, you know. And coming the other way is maybe a janitor or a custodian or someone who's perceived to be low and, uh, and uh, we're kind of filled with ourselves. And so uh, we don't make eye contact. We kind of look down. Don't, certainly don't ask them how they're doing, how the day's going. That's very common. And ask God to root that wickedness out of you, if that's you. If you have any position in anything, you ought to consider yourself a greater servant of even more. And you ought to be an encourager and a lifter-upper. And to love even like unimportant ones, like children. That's the Lord's message to us. And we can easily goof that up, can't we? And fail in that and say, well, that's an error. What am I thinking? What am I thinking? Lord, make me make me humble, Lord. Make, uh, humble means simply realize who you are. And can I, <clears throat> can I just get off a second? It bothers me a little bit <clears throat> when I'll, I'll read different things like this is the Second fastest growing church. <laughs> and third biggest whatever in ministry. I go, I, I groan under that because it sounds so fleshly. And you say, well, you know, it's because grace isn't that big and maybe I feel that. And, 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 and who knows, maybe our motives are always mixed. But it bothers me. Uh, like Who's counting? And, and anyone can get a circus. Hey, we start giving away cars and fish and trips and all that. Hey, we could, we could have easily a couple thousand people here. Pastor's going to swallow the carp today. Come and watch it. You bring the most people, <laughs> faith will give you her diamond ring. You know, like, you think we couldn't get a crowd? You get a crowd, all right. I don't know. And I don't judge. I don't know what's going on. The Lord knows. But be, be careful about that. And notice the Lord says, you're great if, you, if you're humble servant of even many. Not Not greatest. Don't compare yourself with one another. It's the Lord who evaluates all that. Don't despise the days of small things and humble yourself. The last thing, because we're out of time, fourth episode, is that we can lack wisdom. And here, we can do it like the disciples, by fighting the wrong enemy. I mean, they're fighting the wrong enemy. John, son of thunder, don't you love John? I'm call down thunder here. We're gonna we're gonna whack those guys, right? John forty nine. John answered, "Master, Lord, we saw somebody casting out demon in your name, and we tried to stop him. He's not one of us. He's not in the club. You know, like doesn't go to grace. He Certainly can't be on your side. He can't. He's he didn't go through the initiation. He's not, uh, Lord. You see that? I mean, uh, and." Uh, and the Lord uh, rebuked him and, uh, and said, uh, verse 50, But Jesus said, that, Do not stop him, John. The one who is not against you is for you. So what, what's he saying about that? We can lack wisdom by fighting the wrong enemy. And, and the church, I'm sorry to tell you, for 21 centuries, has a terrible record of this. You know, just because people don't cross the T's and dot the I's exactly the same, they may have the main of it right. I'm not talking about those that are errant in the gospel or preach some other gospel. Certainly, that's a different matter altogether. That's, that, that, that's what makes a Christian a Christian, right? But once you're in the family, not everybody, do you know, not everybody agrees with our doctrinal position here at Grace or with you? And yet, uh, they may truly love the Lord Jesus. And they may have some strange and different practices. I was talking to someone even this week about that, that uh, they have different cultural practices that seem kind of uh, not quite like the Amish in uh, Lancaster County and the way they dress and some of those things. But uh, the stuff that we, I, I don't practice. And uh, you know, how, what, what do I think of that? You know, so what, do I blast them? Oh, they're not one of us. Oh, they're different. No, in the main, they embrace the gospel. But they have certain things that they've incorporated into. And I go, like, praise the Lord. That's for them. They answer the Lord, not to me. Listen, don't you and I begin to become, in our thinking, we talked about it last night, the Holy Spirit to people. Now, if they're in our charge, and we're responsible for them in that narrow venue, and someone's off on something, then certainly we step close, and we put our arm around, and we correct them and all that, but that's only a few people, right? Well, I'm talking in the main, people that embrace Jesus, truly the gospel, that's what we can tell, and may, may have different nuances and differences, you know, that's not the time for you and I to open our mouth and to blast people or to separate ourselves, but uh, thank the Lord for them. It's like Philippians 1. Some were rejoicing that Paul was in prison. And Paul said, listen, some in envy, some in jealousy. I just bless God that Christ is being preached. That should be our attitude on that. Now, I've come a long way in my own life in this. I'll tell you that. Because I, I grew up in a certain tradition. That uh, came out of a separatist, uh, unbelieving, liberal Baptist movement, and we were we held suspect. We go like, oh, it's a matter of time that everything goes south, and uh, and so on, and and so we we're so, I, I kind of grew up in that atmosphere, and it, t- it takes time to sort things out. And, uh, you know, I used to bristle under, th- well, the Baptists think they're the only ones in heaven. I used to like, get me upset. Well, what were they saying? In a sense, it's true. I mean, we can, uh, uh, we at Grace, we're not, not Baptists. We hold to the un- evangelical faith, but, uh, but we can think we have a corner on the truth and everyone else is errant and, you know, who knows where they are and uh, without blessing God for what God is doing in and through them. We end up fighting the wrong enemy. I mean, even uh, charismatic uh, brothers and sisters that truly love the Lord. You know, I bless God for them. They do typically a great job evangelizing. You know, don't open your mouth and flap away if they have tendencies of Armenia. Well, they don't know the real truth, you know. They're not your jurisdiction. Bless God. Pray for them. Be an encouragement. Uh, If it comes up, Talk about the grace of God and his sovereignty and his wonder and all that. They, they have a little bit of a big M there for man and a smaller guy. The, the, you, you know, you, don't have, you and I don't have to live to tell everybody everything we think about everything. <laughs> you know, have you come to realize that? Uh, there are some in our family that, that have come out of the Roman church that are in the Roman church. And there's a lot of baggage with that. You know that. A lot of confusion through there. Some of you came out of that. You know that. And some of your loved ones are still in the Catholic Church. And do and, uh, you, you know that in spite of uh, a lot of the baggage there and the confusion and justification by faith and the works and, and, and the redefining of definitions and things like that, that do you believe God can save people there? Of course he can I mean, they read the Word in their services. God, the Spirit of God can take that and use that. Armenian churches, like charismatic churches, even high order churches, and, and even some that are filled with uh, errant theology. I mean, uh, be careful about that. Uh, they, if they name the name of Jesus, you know, we're, don't feel like oh, I got to attack them. I got to make. I got. I set them straight. Uh, is that really your ministry? Are you, Mister Holy Spirit? Be careful about it. here. Here, John. They're not with us exactly. You know, they're not wearing our. And the Lord said, "Wait a minute. They're they're not against. They're not against you. We, we 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 wish we knew a whole lot more who these people were, but we're not told. But we can do the same thing. And so ask the Lord to help you think about that and uh, and your response to that." Uh, uh John's response was really, it sounds like a sinful, self-important type of statement. Satan is the enemy and his emissaries and evil. Uh, not others that name the name of Jesus, even though in in, in some areas they, they, they dot it a little different than you. Bless God for them. You know, one of the wonderful things about the mission field, and we don't see that here, but increasingly, we may hear as times, as the Lord tarries, and if things get worse, there's going to be a banding together of brothers and sisters of different stripes, and there'll be a minimizing of those differences. On the mission field, that's what it is. You know, when you're out there and it's dark spiritually, you're glad for anyone that names the name, and you can call them brother, and you hug them and hold them and pray for each other, and that happens. Wow. Well, lessons for our life, and we're done. Number, number one. Number one, learn to trust and depend upon the Lord for every single thing in your life. Your next heartbeat, breath, your work, your ministry, your marriage, your schoolwork, everything. And, 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 and let me suggest to you, and I think that comes right out of the text here, your prayer life is probably the best indicator. If you're not praying, you probably have a whole too big picture of yourself. You may be dealing with pride, that um, I can handle this. You can't handle it. You open your mouth and breathe, you get a bug, you never get out of that bed again. Uh, we're totally dependent on him. And demonstrate that by growing in your love for Christ and your prayer life. It's probably the best indicator. Boy, we better pray about this. Pray about it. Faithy comes from a praying family. I'm so grateful for that. Her mom and her dad. In early years, it was an embarrassment to, uh, to her. Her dad was always praying with all her girlfriends. Hey, before you leave, we're praying. You need to lead them right there and pray, and pray around the world and pray for them. But you know what? What a heritage. Oh, man, I married up. I'll tell you. Wow. Pray, pray, pray. Trust the Lord. Depend. Number two, keep the cross, to, cross of Jesus always before you. Keep it always before. Center it in your thoughts every day. You have to bring it in there. It kind of wants to, and the, just the life as it is. It kind of, kind of moves to this. Bring it back. Put it right there. You know, and, and deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow Him. It symbolizes death to self. You know, He. And without Him, I can do nothing. And uh, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Number three: Strive to take the lowest spot. Strive. Forget about your own personal reputation. That's crazy anyway. If the Lord doesn't come back, even the Bible says even great men are forgotten in a few turns of the calendar. Who was he? Oh, you didn't know him? Uh, It's true. Forget about your own personal reputation. Strive to take the lower spot. Serve. And if no one sees you, serve. And care for unimportant ones, like children and nameless and others. Strive for Jesus' sake to do that. And that would be like the Lord, wouldn't it? It would be just like Jesus. What a greater thing. You know, think about that. What's one of the greatest things someone could say to you? It's that They could say to you something like, you know, I don't know a whole lot about you, but I do know somewhat about the Lord and the Word, and, but you just seem so much like Jesus to me, you know? not perfect and we don't ever want to play that role. Oh, you say, "Oh, I have a long way to go yet. God's working in me." But to be like Jesus, take the lowest foot. Number 4, don't uh, don't fight the wrong enemies. Let's not do that. Let's not. No, let's not do that. Let's be careful about it. let's bless other believers who, those are even different and uh, keep our mouth shut. Uh, and uh, that is not to say what we shouldn't say. If, it, if there are a responsibility, instruct them and guide them and teach them, of course. But most aren't, you know, especially as we scatter. Say, Lord, let the love of Jesus radiate through me. May I encourage the, the broader church, those that aren't even defined by my little group, right? And number five and last, uh, we're talking about mistakes here and error to errors human. Don't make the biggest mistake of all. Maybe you're here and you've never trusted Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. You know, today, he says, come, come to me and confess your sin. You're a sinner. We are all born that way. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is a gift. The quietness of your heart. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I receive you as my Lord and as my Savior. Thank you for dying for me. If I can help in that, I certainly want to do that. Common mistakes, errors that we can make, right? Lack of faith, lack of focus, lack of humility, lack of wisdom. Let's stand and be dismissed. Father, thank